I'm Tom DeSorcy, and you've tuned in for compelling conversation on hot topics impacting Canada's fire service. This is Firefighting in Canada, the podcast, brought to you by First Alert, safety you can trust. Leadership, leaders, one and the same, oh, perhaps not. It's a pleasure to uh, introduce today and on the podcast to talk with a, a friend for a long time. And uh, I mean, it's been a few years, Les Karpluk. Thanks for uh, taking the time. Hi, Tom. Thanks. This is great. I'm humbled. Again, how many how many years? I mean, I've known you for quite a few years. And it's probably, probably thanks to the to the conference circuit and the and the associations. I guess is what and that's what associations yeah. do. But uh, I guess a little background. You you say 41 years all the time. You're from Saskatchewan. My whole life, yeah. Prince Albert, Saskatchewan. Started this career, this amazing journey in 1982 as a 19-year-old, getting hired into a career department. So I retired just shy of 32 years and uh, went into the consulting, the leadership, all strictly fire-focused. And in 2018, uh, took on the role as fire chief for Waskasun Parks Canada. 41 big years. <laughs> it's, a, it's an amazing journey, Tom. Amazing. And, and you probably didn't have the idea, like me, to say, I'm going to be in 42 years from now, here's where I'm going to be. I don't think you can. Not on, no, not on your life. Never saw that coming. But you know, you get into it, you love it, there's highs and lows, but the, the truth, it's the people that you meet that are just amazing. I mean, you know, you started off the podcast by saying, hey, we, you met through the conferences, we met through the chief associations, the, the BC chiefs, the CAFC, and then you form bonds and friendships out of that, and it's that connection with the people that is so strong. It's just, it's, it's humbling, but it's, it's, it sounds crazy, but it's a blessing in my life. And I, I treasure that. I hang on to it. I, I, coming here and speaking at BC Chiefs, I get to see people like yourself, people I haven't seen for so long. And it's like we just pick right up where we've left off in the last conversation. It's a bond. It's amazing. It's amazing. We're going to talk about leadership, and uh, you know, I think I think um, it can get a little. I won't say to umbrella, but we'll talk about that. I, I always like on a podcast to. Yeah, I don't do a bio uh, for people. I want to hear the story, and I, I got part of the story. But I think, as a firefighter in a small town and a fire chief in a small town, that I like to see and I, I realize that things are different in other communities. And what is the what is the Tell us about Prince Albert. Tell us about the challenges. I mean, at the end of the day, how many how many marine fires do you go to? None. Right. So yeah, exactly. Yeah. So exactly. you're different. You're different exactly. from all the what 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 what's the challenges, the risks, the hazards, and risk and vulnerabilities for the community? Well, so when I was chief there and, and spent my whole career there, I mean, you've got a river, so you got to have water rescue team. Um, we've got a high rise, so you got to have rope rescue team, right? Um, obviously, the structure fires, but we have a, a large urban surrounding area. We had, a, a, at the time, we had a pulp mill. So, very diverse, very diverse. And so, motor vehicle accidents, hazmat wasn't really the, a big thing, but our team was trained up for that. You got a rail going through there, but that kind of backed off in later years, like it did in other communities. So, the dynamics, you know, really kept us, kept us that we had to have a broad level of skills. 
the beautiful thing about that, what I think that Prince Albert Fire Department brings to the table is when you get into that as a firefighter, you're exposed to multiple different emergencies. So you need to have those skills. So it's a full-time career department and surrounded by paid on-call departments and First Nations Reserve. So uh, very dynamic and very busy, very busy. Do in your in your career in your travels in you know and you speak before many conferences in in North America have you found that the term leadership gets danced around too often or bounced around and just thrown around as leadership is and everyone's talking about it that's an awesome question um the answer to that is yes so leadership is brought up lots right and there was a point in time where you know if you're going to make a presentation at a conference you just throw the word leadership in there you're in right I'd like to believe we've come a long way since that. Um, so my latest book is called Coffee Cup Leadership. Well, what does coffee have to do with leadership, Tom? It's got nothing to do with leadership. It's an analogy. So the whole book is about emotional intelligence. The coffee cup term was, I, I came up with it going, it's about relationships. So when you and I go for a cup of coffee, and we're sitting down and we're talking about what we're passionate about, the fire service, what's impacting us as a whole, all that stuff. It's about building that trust, having that relationship. So I didn't throw leadership in there for, you know, just to grab people's attention. That It was really the coffee cup component, going for the coffee, taking the time. So I think... In the past, when we used the term leadership, it was more of command and control type of thing, uh, one directional. Uh, the fire service is not like that today. It's, it's, it's just not going to function. It's not going to survive. As chiefs, and I'm a chief of a paid-on-call department, small paid-on-call department, but as chiefs today, a leadership is it's a two-way street. Everybody you know, has a role to play. The chief is making those tough decisions. He's dealing with the, the politicians and all that. But he's not, he's not really the one taking the flag and waving the leadership thing. The team is. The team is. The firefighters, the, chief, the other, you know, the officers and the other chief's officers. So now everybody has a role in leadership in some type of form. So we can have, and I'm just, I'm going hypothetical right now. Let's say we hire someone. Let's say a full-time career department hires somebody who's 25 years old and She's been a volunteer in XYZ department. She's got exposure to auto X, hazmat, and let's just say rope rescue. And now she's got all the certifications. She gets hired. She can take a leadership role in her new department because she brings something to the table. So the best example I had was um, Joss Chase. I did a podcast and he said, man, he said, I'm a lieutenant and uh, I couldn't get the chainsaw started to do ventilation. And one of my firefighters said, hey, hey, LT, um, do you want me to start it? And he goes, here, it's yours. And he says, the reason I said that last, he's, you know, this, this guy on his days off, all he does is work on trees. He says, chainsaws is part of his life. And he says, I knew, I'd give it to him, he'd fire up. The, the firefighter went up to him after and said, hey, LT, I'm sorry I embarrassed you. He goes, he didn't embarrass me. He goes, well, you know, I kind of, looking. he goes, no, man. He says, you took that leadership role. I needed you to. He says, I'm not offended by that. I think that's where we're at today, Tom. I think that's where we're at. And if we're not, if we're moving that direction, I think that's where we got to go. First time I said to 
younger firefighters in training I've been doing in different events and younger firefighters it's it's I guess you realize how long you've been in the service when they they, they don't understand what you're saying and and I said I said to one young uh, member I said you know what the best thing we can teach a young firefighter no what how to be an old one yeah and I said and they said I've never heard that before yeah it's true it is true it's true and I think teaching them and I mean, assuming that they're going to be leaders one day and giving them that opportunity as soon as you can is important. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I, think, I think it's really a point that you, that you have to ingrain, but don't be afraid to put a person in a position to lead, even though they're not the leader, but you give them the opportunity. They get that exposure. So case in point, I'm here right now. I get a text message uh, from one of my firefighters that said, hey, do you have anybody to take care of training tomorrow night? And, and no, actually, it's tonight. And I said, um, no one's called back to me. He says, are you okay if I do it? Tom, that's a leader. He's stepping into that leadership role and taking it on. And, and I texted him back and said, thank you very much. So, and you know, I, I want to comment on that. The best thing we can teach young firefighters, how to become old firefighters, is one of the things that I preach is Experience is not the best teacher. Other people's experience is the best teacher. So when you have these senior firefighters teaching teaching younger firefighters how to become old firefighters, it's because they've got those life lessons and they can help guide them. That's leadership at its core. I've often heard the term, you know it, accidental leadership, where you don't intend to, to direct a person but by your simple actions and demeanor, you are leading people that you don't intend to lead. Uh, totally, totally. <laughs> I'm, I'm chuckling right now because all this stuff is coming into my head. I was speaking at a conference. I went to a fire school, and, and I said to this young lady that teaches at the fire school, I said, oh, you're going to sit in my session today. And this is what she said to me. This was years ago. She goes, oh, no, 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 chief. I don't have bars on my shoulders. I'm not a leader. And I, I said, well, we're going to stop right now. I said, you don't need bars on your shoulders to be a leader. I said, you can be a leader at any way, shape, and form at any specific time. And that is that accidental. You ask them to do something, and they roll with it. We need to do that more because not everybody's embraced that. How would you recommend, if, I mean, a fire chief and a small volunteer fire department comes up to you and says, I don't know how to recognize the leaders or the future leaders in my fire department. Is it tough? Is it hard to recognize them? Or is that a special skill amongst itself to realize that that individual is going to be a leader one day just by the actions that I see them do on a fire ground or in the hall? Uh, that's the obvious. That's the obvious. So uh, some people have certain things that they will do, like what you mentioned, and you know, you're going, wow, wow. Um, other people may be more reserved. And sometimes they won't do anything until you ask them to step out of their comfort zone. Because we all have that comfort zone, right? And what I've found with my paid on call department is I've been more reserved because I didn't think that they wanted that responsibility. But shocker, when you ask them to step up, they step up to the plate and they nail it. They shine. So I think on one hand, it's easy to, to notice because it's observable actions. On the other hand, it's not so easy. It's a challenge. It's a challenge. And it's, it's not a, it, it's just because we don't give them a chance. 
And I think that's a good point because I like to think, and I would never put another member or a junior member or any member on the spot unless I know that they can do what we're going to ask them to do and give them the chance to shine without telling them or asking them to do that. Exactly. And you know what What I found is um, different people, well, it's, it's the truth. It's not like I found it. It's um, we all have different strengths. And some people like to lead in front of others and some people like to lead behind the scenes. So our job as a chief is to kind of figure out who's who and if I know that somebody is more of a leader in the background, they may be doing some heavy lifting in the background where we also benefit. Fair enough. Fair enough. I use the term, and I'm gonna, I've done podcasts, and I'll do more on generational change, and I've used it all the time. And, you know, it's, it, it, sometimes it takes time for things to happen naturally before you can get what you need to across. For the years you've done the presentations at different conferences, talk to leaders, future leaders that are now leaders or not in the fire service anymore. How has that changed? How is the, is the message still the same or how have you had to change it over the years? Wow. Um, I would say yes, the message have to change over years. It's if, if it was going to be stable over time, I don't think it would work. Um, you know, coffee cup leadership, for example, I tell people is that was an evolution for me. So the other books, and, and I'll, I'll just reference me because this is applicable to others. The other books were written in an aspect of, here's the content that I think that you can find beneficial. In Coffee Cup Leadership, I kind of approach it different. It was scary, to be honest with you. Um, I had to step out of my comfort zone and kind of go, okay, this is about emotional intelligence. We're going to have to nail this one because not everybody's into that. Not everybody's ready for that. Because it's about our feelings, our emotions, being self-aware and, and really looking in the mirror. And who am I? What, what do I value? What's important? And I'm telling chief officers this, right? So it has changed. It has changed. In terms of the generational differences, I'm still talking about it. As a matter of fact, tomorrow I talk about it. But it's a crash course on this is what works with Gen X. This isn't going to work with Gen Z. Because how we communicate to them, what they're brought up and what they value are two different things. It leads into my next question and thought in that what you do today, how would you have presented that 40 years ago oh, to that generation? Wow, different, completely. 40 years ago was, um, the example I use is somebody would say, I need you to do this. And I go, well, how high do you want me to jump? Today, you do that with Gen Z, they're going to say, why? But they're not saying it to be combative. They need to understand. They want to know why do you do this. So I tell you, I love that generation. I love it because they ask a lot of questions. And if I don't know the answer, then I better find it for them. And they want to know why. Why, why Chief, why are we going to do this on this call? Why, do we, why is this important on the training? aspect and you explain it and they go oh got it okay good let's move on they're ready to roll but back 40 years so i can tell you and i don't know if this is fair in the podcast but um well i'll say it and hopefully you don't have to to uh, uh edit it but we had a training session i was in a live fire burn with diesel fuel and all this and a chief from a different department was leading it because he was the expert at the time i made a mistake you know how he corrected me he kicked me hard in the ass it hurt. That's how hard he kicked me. We would, that was just what you did then, right or wrong. And we would never do that today. 
That's just, that's not, that's disrespectful. And, and it's wrong on all levels, right? But I wanted to point out, like, we have come a long way in, in the profession on, on how we're dealing with our, our, our firefighters, our officers. And, and that's a good thing. That's a good thing. I use the term, uh, a lot of us do, and the term or the hashtag, if you will, is, is proud chief. Um, let me ask you, what as a chief and doing it when away from the speaking, away from the presentations to others, but what, what in your fire departments, in your fire halls that you've been, what, what makes you proud of them, the service? It's the people. Uh, uh, honestly, it, it's, it's the people. It's a blessing to meet people that are so genuine, that care, they want to help. And, you know, I, I'm thinking right now, I'm trying to think, and we'll run out of time because I'm thinking of how many times somebody has asked me in a selfish way something since I've been doing this, and it, I can't think of it. People ask because they care. People ask questions because they want to become better. People, I've, I've, without exaggeration, three conversations I've had today already is, how can I become better, to lead better? I want my people to have a good leader. I'm just like, what? it's like blows me away. And I, I have to, I had to look at one guy and go, man, you're, you're already good. Like, you know, so when you meet people like that, that just continually want to improve so that they can help others, does it get any better than that? I, I want to ask you a you know, personal question, I guess a personal feeling that you know, a lot of people that do what you do and beyond the fire department and being the chief and looking after your department of fire, but going out and speaking and spreading messages. Uh, I mean, why would anyone want to do that? Why, what do you get out of the fact that like, why would you sit there and talk to people, fly, acro fly, fly across the country one direction and then the other direction, and then all of a sudden just to talk when you know something, it would be a lot easier just to sit at home. Is there, I mean, wh wh why are you doing this? What, why, why do we need this? What do you wow. get out of this? Wow, that's a good question, Tom. You put me on the spot. Um, and the answer is going to be really, really, really simple is it's it's not about legacy it's none of that stuff it's it's really it's i think the best way i can put it it's a servant heart is wanting to help others help others exceed their own expectations help others become better and you know the most powerful world the most powerful words i should say that people have said to me is thank you when you get an email, when you get a call, when you get a card in the mail with somebody saying, I just want you to know that what you did and they laid out, I want to thank you for that. You, you can't put a price on that. There's no money. We don't do this for the money. We're not getting rich doing this. We do this because we care. And you you can't i'm telling you i've got a card right now at home that i still haven't put away that i got recently and if somebody said i'll give you a million dollars for that card i'll go burn the check i don't want it i want this card that means more to me than whatever number you're going to put in that check this is about maybe there's i don't know it, it's about knowing that you can make a difference and that's the driving force. Honestly, 
I tell people when I get up now, it's when my feet hit the floor. That's what it's all about. That's what it's all about. And I also think it's my responsibility, and it sounds crazy. But when we have what, the time that we have in this profession, it's our responsibility now to help others from our lessons learned. And if we don't, Tom, it's shame on us. We, this is what we're supposed to do. We, we've both had the careers. We both had that. This is what we're supposed to do now. This is our role to coach, mentor, help. That's it. I've, I've often said, I've written about it in, uh, in my column in the magazine, that you, you need to make a difference to, with someone every day. And we do make a difference. And if you can do that and say that you've done it, it doesn't matter what that difference was. A simple little action that oh. makes someone day better. That's what we do. We just need to do it more, yes, maybe. I agree, 100%. 100%. What's next? I mean, at some point, is there an is there is there a shelf life for for this leadership package? I don't. I don't. How long? How long? I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. You know, and it, it's a it's a funny question because I never thought it would go on this long. Um, I mean, how have you ever thought about how many? People, you've—I mean, you've presented a lot of different conferences yeah, and a lot in yeah. North America, yeah, uh, and 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 so, <laughs> have you ever thought how many people have no. actually listened to the sound of your voice in a room? No, no. <laughs> Maybe you don't want to know. No, I don't know. I just gab. <laughs> don't get me talking. I can't stop. I—I've I've never thought of it. No. Um, I just consider myself very, very blessed and very lucky, very lucky that I can even do this. Because not everybody can, and not everybody wants to. Maybe some want to, but they can't. So I'm lucky. It's um, I, I feel blessed. I'm very humbled that I can that that I'm able to do this. And and I, wow, I, I just I wouldn't have a clue. I wouldn't have a clue how many. Honored to have the opportunity, and I thank you for for doing this. It's been, it's been a pleasure. Thanks, Tom. It's been so much fun. Thank you for joining Firefighting in Canada, the podcast. Brought to you by First Alert. Safety you can trust. For more episodes, visit firefightingincanada.com.